Amen. Thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. What a great ministry and song. Amen. By the way, tonight, you want to come back tonight. We are going to do something tonight we have never done ever in church before. You say, what is it you tell me and I'll decide? I'm not telling you. I'm not telling you. I'm the pastor. I can do what I want. Amen. I'm telling you we're doing something different tonight. You'll like it. You'll be glad you've come. Six o'clock tonight. Don't miss it. Boys and girls ages four years old through the fourth grade, head out to Children's Church, if you will. You say, Pastor, why'd you put that down there? Because I'm symmetrical in my mind, okay? And I would be, I'll be watching the service this afternoon thinking, why did we have one mic up and one mic down? Don't like that. So now they're down and the boys and girls are gone. Take your Bibles, please, and turn, if you will, to Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. After spending many, many hours this week preparing the messages for today, I woke up yesterday morning about... 4 o'clock, 4.30, somewhere in there. I could not get back to sleep. I was um, confused. I was frustrated. I was overwhelmed. Maybe uh, overload would be a, a better word, a good word to summarize. Say, why would a pastor be, like, confused or frustrated or overwhelmed or why on overload at 4.30 in the morning on Saturday? Well, because I'm, I, I woke up thinking about the message this morning. And as I was lying there, I, all I could think about was this, and, and really had been like that for the last several days. All I could think about was this verse after verse after verse and after verse after verse in the Bible that was about the resurrection of Christ, the risen Christ. And I thought, oh, that verse has got to be in the message. I, I, I said, I can't be adding another verse now. I try to go back to sleep, and then another verse comes by. I say, well, you got to get that verse in the message. I mean, that's got to be in there. I said, I don't have time for more verses. Five minutes later, I'm still, and then I got three, four, I got five more. I got all these verses in my mind, I'm thinking, so why did I spend all this time preparing the messages for Sunday, and I thought they were done, and now it's like all these other verses are coming in my mind. You say, I can't relate to that. Well, welcome to the world of being a pastor, okay? Because then the thought hit me, pastor, you can't preach on every resurrection verse in one message. You don't want me to, do you? Jeff, thank you. Jeff said yes. (laughs) Okay. So what I did was about, oh, I don't know, 5.30, quarter to 6 or so, I got up, I went in the living room, because I thought, if the Lord is telling me, Larry, you've done all the preparation, but I want you to switch gears, then I'm I'm willing to do that. I'm open to doing that. So I decided I would get up, I would go in the the living room, I I would get in my lazy boy chair, but I wasn't interested in going to sleep. And I would read all four gospel accounts of the resurrection of Christ. So I started in Matthew, read Matthew's account. Went to Mark's, I read Mark's account, Luke's account, George, uh, John's account, George, John's account. Read them all, every word. And as I read, I thought, you know, and pray, Heavenly Father, if, if, if you've led me to get up early and to be frustrated like this, and, and now I'm reading these, these, these accounts of the resurrection of your son, then if you want me to change the message, then, you know, in some way, I knew I wasn't going to talk out loud. I said, just direct me, direct my thoughts. But this is a good thing to do anyway, just to read all the gospel accounts. There was one phrase 
that just absolutely jumped out at me. I could not miss it. It's just like, there it is. And then priest says, there it is again. I thought, oh, is that? And I hadn't thought about those words when I was in bed lying or thinking about other verses. And I thought, that is a, that is a tremendous message for Easter Sunday morning that if we don't get anything else, if we could get that, that would be huge. And it was in the Gospel of Mark. And it was the, the well, I'll just read the passage. You can follow along as I read, please. Mark 16, I'll read verses 1 through 16. And in this passage, see what you might think would be an important word or two here and there, okay? And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Siloam, had bought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulchre at the rising of the sun. And they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulchre? And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. And entering into the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment. And they were affrighted. And he saith unto them, be not affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way, tell his disciples and Peter, that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early upon the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils. And she went and told them that had been with him as they mourned and wept. And they, when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, they believed not. But after that, and after that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward, he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat, and he upbraided them with their unbelief and hardness of heart, because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. As I read that passage of Scripture, I could not help but notice, please, in verse 11. And they, when they had heard that, he was alive and had been seen of her. Next two words, please, good and loud. Believe not. Now, would you read out loud, please? Verse 13 together. And they. <laughs> Let's read it together, okay. And they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed. There it again, neither believed they them. They believed not, verse 11, neither believed they them, verse 11. Next verse, do you see it? They, he upbraided them with their what? Unbelief, hardness of heart. Why? Because they believed not. I mean, believe not, neither believed they them. Upbraided them for their unbelief, believe not. Oh, and then you got verse 16. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be what? Damned. I think it's an interesting, and it just caught my attention, that here we have the risen Christ 
he's alive. And as the news goes out, nobody believes it. These were not strangers. These were people that had been with him. They knew him well. They were friends. They were disciples. They were his followers. They were loyal to him. They heard his preaching. They saw his miracles. And now he's been crucified. He's buried. And they get the news. Guess what? We've seen him. He's alive. And they say, don't think so. Didn't happen. Three or four times in just a short passage. Believe not. Believe not. Did not believe. Spoken to because of their hardness of heart. Their unbelief. And then I remember it in John chapter 20. We don't have time to go there. The disciples are gathered together in the upper room on the first day of the week. Jesus appears. He comes through closed doors. They're afraid. He says, be not afraid. He shows them his hands. He shows them his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. But then we read that sad verse. Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. And they said to Thomas, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. If you had to characterize Thomas's response in one word out loud, please, what would the word believe? What would it be? Unbelief. What does he say? Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, together I will not believe. Just like the others, I won't believe. And a thought hit me as I meditated upon that. These people who had been with the Lord and they knew him, they didn't believe. And that's probably about the way it is today with most people in the world. We haven't seen the Lord's miracles like these people saw it. We haven't heard his preaching like they did. We've, we've seen it in the Bible, but that's it. But you know, today, because there's, and I'm glad, there's so much ado. There's so, it's, Easter is such a big thing. that we, we kind of, if we're not careful, we start thinking, well, everybody believes Christ arose. Everybody knows what Easter is all about. That is not the case. Surely most people believe that, that Jesus came back to life after he died. No, no. Uh, I, I think that we would be shocked how many people who basically celebrate Easter. In the first place, they have no idea who Jesus even is, right? They have no idea. They have no idea why he, in fact, they don't, they don't even understand that he's in heaven he comes down to earth and is born as a human being, a baby born of a virgin. He lives a sinless life. He performs miracles in and of his own power. He accepts man's worship. I mean, you have all these proofs of his deity. And then he goes to a cross and dies, not for his own sins. He had none. He dies as a substitute for the sins of the whole world. By far, the majority of people in the world who celebrate Easter have no idea what that's all about. Not, not the faintest idea. And they surely really do not believe that he rose again from the dead or they'd be saved. But they celebrate Easter. And my heart goes out to them. What's it all about in most people's minds? New spring, Easter clothes. Easter bunnies. By the way, I gave my wife an Easter card and I said at the bottom, I said, I am so glad that you are my Easter bonnie. You like that? She read that. I knew she was going to read it. I said, kind of cute, isn't it? 
So glad you're my Easter bunny, okay? Uh, how did you know that? Yeah, Easter bunnies, okay. Easter bunnies, okay. Easter clothes, spring clothes, Easter bunnies, Easter bunny, Easter eggs, Easter baskets, Easter lilies, Easter vacation, Easter family get-togethers, Easter sales. That's what it's all about for most people, right? My wife and I took a couple of days off Monday, Tuesday, and went to Tulsa. I said, what would you do in Tulsa? She went to go shop, and I went to play golf. And after shopping and golf, we met at Texas Roadhouse. Amen? That's a fun vacation day. Spent the night in a hotel. And the next day, we go to the Jinx. How many of you have been to Jinx? If you, haven't, you, gotta, if you like antique malls, you've got to go to Jinx. You've got to go to the trading post in Jinx. I mean, it's, it's a big place. And as we came out, the first thing I said to Bonnie was this. It's really interesting. How much stuff did we see today that's all about Easter? I mean, the booths, one booth after another was all. And I said, this really does show you that people here, they really keep up with their booths. Now they've got to take all this stuff out of there next week. It doesn't sell. But there wasn't really anything. Well, there was probably something. But it wasn't like, you, you know, you saw uh, the, the, the empty tomb and the cross and, and messages of Christ arose and, you know, scripture verses. No, it was all the typical Easter stuff. I thought that's, that's kind of the way it is. I got a text this week from a friend of mine up in Minnesota. He sent me a text. He said, in fact, I wrote it down. We invited a family to come to our church's special Easter service this Sunday. All of you who've been here a long time, you know who my friend is in Minnesota, don't you? That invites people to church. We invited a family to come to our church's special Easter service this Sunday. The mother got all excited and said, great, we'll look forward to it. Thank you for inviting us to your church. We have never been to an Easter egg hunt before. Yeah, and that's, you know, I did that. Too. I kind of laughed too, and I think. But in, in, in laughing, I'm thinking, how sad. And I wrote back, I said, true." I said, how sad, but how true. Thank you for inviting us to your church for Easter service. We've never been to an Easter egg hunt before. And I thought that's pretty sad that many people, when they think of church and Easter, they think of hunting eggs. We don't do that. We don't do that. But that's the world. And we say, well, there's so many people that celebrate Easter. It's like everybody believes. No, they're not believers. And the sad thing is the truth of the matter is this, that the most important truth that any person can ever think about as long as he or she is alive on this earth, the most important truth that can ever cross their mind that they would come to know and believe is that Christ arose from the dead after he died for the sins of the world. And what a shame to get caught up on all the other stuff and miss the main cardinal truth of the word of God. The most important truth anybody can ever know and believe is that Christ Jesus died upon the cross for our sins. But on the third day, the grave could not hold him. He rose again. Why is that important? Because a person's belief or his unbelief in that doctrine, that truth, determines where he or she spends eternity. I mean, this is, this, this is, a, this is an eternal determining thing here why because 
The resurrection of Christ is a part of the gospel, the good news. That's defined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What is the gospel? That Christ, what? He died for our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried. And that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. That's the definition of God's good news. And nobody is saved without believing the gospel. That's how we're born again. Romans 10, 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. With a mouth confession is made unto salvation. I mean, hearing the, the resurrection of Christ and coming to believe that it's true according to the Bible, I mean, that, that changes your eternal destiny. And not only that, but the great truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is life-changing doctrine. Again, it's amazing how many times the message in church ties in with Sunday school. I'm not trying to make Mr. Tillman look good. He's just a good teacher, okay? And he's teaching 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I already quoted those two verses there that he taught on today. What did it say? How did that verse 15 end? That they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. And you tell me? Rose again. So why do Christians live differently than unsaved people? Because they believe in a crucified and resurrected Christ. And right after that, two verses later, now, of there, now therefore, it says, you therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So we live differently. A person who does not believe Christ is alive, he's going to live one way. It's all about sin. It's all about the world. It's all about Satan. And it all ends up in hell. The person who believes that Jesus is, in fact, the Christ the son of the living God, and that he died for our sins and he was buried and he rose again the third day and he did this because he loves us. We will live for the glory of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. This is important stuff. So the question today is, do you believe that Jesus Christ bodily rose again from the grave? And I'm not saying, when I say bodily rose, I mean bodily rose. I think most of the world's people who do kind of think, yeah, maybe Jesus arose. I don't think they have this bodily resurrection in mind. I think they have more of a spiritual resurrection, like, like, a, like the spirit of Jesus lives on. You know, he rose. Like the spirit of Abraham, may the spirit of Abraham be with us forever, you know. No, that's not, that's not what this is about. The same body that was born, the same body that lived, the same body that died, the same body that was crucified, that same body rose again. And by the way, Never to die again. He says in Revelation chapter 1, I think it's verse 18. I am he that was dead, and behold, I live and I am alive forevermore. Were there ever people in the Bible who got resurrected, raised from the dead? Yes or no? Guess what? They all died again. You ever thought about that? Every, including Lazarus, every person in the Bible who was resurrected, brought back to life, died again. Jesus Christ did not die again, and he never, never will. And that becomes pretty important. So these people that heard the, great, the good news that we just read in Mark 16, what, that all these people, yeah, they all came to believe that he, that he was alive. They all became believers in Christ Jesus being raised from the grave. We know that. What was it that changed their mind? What made the difference? 
What convinced them? And this is the part that I could not get away from early yesterday morning. And I decided, go to church, start all over and change the message. Because the same thing that convinced these men and women that Christ was really, truly alive is the same thing that anybody and everybody will have to see in order to ever figure it out and believe. Say, what is that? It's the testimony of the living word of God, Jesus Christ himself, along with the testimony of the written word of God, the Holy Scriptures. That is a wonderful, wonderful truth to see in the Easter message. So you have your Bible. We're in Mark. Let's go back to Mark. Look at uh, chapter 16, if you will, please. Look at verse 7 for just a moment. Verse 7. Go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall you see him, notice please, as he said unto you. That's what the angel told. He said, go your way. Go into Galilee. There you're going to see him as he said unto you. That has reference to something that Jesus Christ had said before he died. Now go to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, the last chapter of, 28 of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Verses 5 and 6. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that you seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, three words together out loud, as he said, come, see the place my Lord lay. I know you seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here. He's risen, just like he said, as he said. Go to Luke's gospel, please, if you will. Luke chapter 24. Last chapter of Luke. Chapter 24, verses 6 through 8. He is not here. He is risen. Remember that he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee. Remember that? So do, do you remember? He's not here. He's risen. Do you remember what he said unto you when he was yet in Galilee? Saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again. And look at verse 8. And they remembered his words. That's pretty important. Because what Jesus said before he was crucified had to get into the minds of those who saw him after he was crucified. You say, well, what did he say before he was crucified? All right, let's go back to Matthew. Matthew. Matthew chapter 12, please. There are six times recorded in the four Gospels. There are more than six, but there's six different times that Jesus said something about his coming death and crucifixion. He may have said other things that are not recorded in the Bible, but he, there, there is, he said things at six different occasions. Some are recorded in more than one of the books. Matthew chapter 12, verses 38 to 40. Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. 
But he answered and sent it to them. An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. There shall no sign be given unto it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. You want an unmistakable sign? He says, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Now you know what the meaning is here. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the whale's belly and came out, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth and likewise come out. That's the authority sign Jesus said they would receive. Go to Matthew 16. Matthew chapter 16. Look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus showing to his disciples how he must needs go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. The next time he said something is in the very next chapter, chapter 17, verses 22 and 23. While, he, they, abode, while they abode in Galilee, Jesus said unto them, the Son of Man shall be betrayed into the hands of men. They shall kill him. And the third day he shall be raised again. And they, his disciples, were exceeding sorry. We won't turn there. I'll quote it. Matthew, excuse me, John chapter 10, verse 18. Jesus said these words, No man taketh my life from me, but I lay it down to myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. That's what he said. They heard him. No man takes my life for me. I lay it down of myself. I have power both to lay it down and I have power to take it again. I want you to go to Matthew chapter 20 for just a moment. See, two more times. Matthew chapter 20, verses 17, 18, and 19. Getting closer now to the cross. Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem. The Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and the scribes, and they shall condemn him to death. They shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him. And the third day he shall rise again. The disciples heard this many, many times. And now the angel says, after he rises again, the angel says, he's not here, he's risen. As he said, do you not remember what he said? Oh, by the way, there's one more time, a sixth time. This is at the very beginning of his earthly ministry. Go back to John, if you will. Go to the Gospel of John. Look at chapter 2. And this is a significant passage. I save this till last, even though this is the first time he mentioned his resurrection. John chapter 2. Beginning at verse 13. And the Jews' Passover was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. And he found in the temple those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changers of money sitting when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overthrew the tables. And he sent it to them that sold doves. Take these things hence. Make not my father's house and house of merchandise. And his disciples remembered that it was written, The zeal of thine house hath eaten thee up. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign should... Didn't it sound like them? This is how it all began. It never stopped. What sign showest thou unto us, seeing that thou doest these things? Come on, we want some unmistakable sign. What authority do you have to do these things? Jesus, oh, you want an unmistakable sign? Jesus answered and said unto them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. 
Then said the Jews, Forty and six years was this temple in building. Wilt thou rear it up in three days? Yeah, sure. And he spake, rather, but he spake of the temple of his together. He spake of the temple of his body. Now don't miss 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. You see, that is not recorded in the chapters Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that we read this morning, read some, many of them. That's not, nothing's written, nothing said about that in the passage there about Jesus actually rising again and the unbelief of the disciples. But we're told here that when they, when Jesus did rise again and they were so characterized by unbelief, somewhere in there they said, you know, we do remember what he said. His words became pretty important. We remember what he said before he died. But they also said, and we remember the scriptures. How did they get to know the scriptures? Look at it again. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. They became believers not only by remembering what Jesus had said before he was crucified, but they became believers in his resurrection when they remembered the scriptures. The reference here is to the word of God. Go to John 20. Let's skip John 20. Uh, there's a good summary in John chapter 20 of, of Peter and John going to the tomb. And still, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't become believers. It says that they... Because they knew not the scripture that he must rise from the dead. But Jesus changed all that. There came a time when, when Jesus Christ showed them the scriptures and they became believers. Now go to Luke 24. Let's go back to Luke. Luke chapter 24. And watch now that not only did the words that Jesus had said to them before he was crucified, not only did that make a difference, but now Jesus himself, he directs them to the scriptures. And by the way, that's what people are going to need to see it today, the scriptures. Verse 13 of Luke 24. Behold, two of them went that same day into a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all the things which had just happened. It came to pass while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden. They should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? One of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he, Jesus, said, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all people. Can you just imagine this? Two men walking along, and Jesus joins them. They don't know who it was. And just what he asked them and what they said, it's like, what things? Well, it's concerning. Yeah, I know. He knew, he knew all. He knew well. He want, would just let him say it. Concerning Jesus of Nazareth. He was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and, the, and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. 
But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher, and guess what? We found it even as the women said. We, the, the women actually, <laughs> do I need to go there? The, these women were right. The tomb was empty. What does Jesus say? Oh, fools and slow of heart to believe, and watch it now, all that the prophets have spoken. What did the prophets say? Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, would you read it out loud, please? Are you with me? Let's read it together. Here we go. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. That's what it's going to take for you or anybody else to ever become a believer in the risen Christ. It's going to take the scriptures. Well, they drew nigh unto the village. Verse 28. And Jesus made as though he would have gone further. They constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave it to them. And notice, please, their eyes were opened, and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. I love verse 32. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us? while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened unto us the scriptures. Did not our heart burn as he talked with us, and especially as he opened unto us the scriptures? And the Bible has already told us that beginning at, Mo at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they bring word the disciples. Go to verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them, and he said unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. He said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do these thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as you see me have. When he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. Folks, it was a bodily resurrection, amen, not a spirit resurrection. While they, oh, look at, the, look at the next phrase. While they yet believed, next word, please. There it is again. He shows them his hands. He shows them his feet. They saw the scars. While they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said to them, have you here any meat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. He took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I speak unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms. By the way, that includes the whole Old Testament and that terminology. These are the words which I speak while I was with you, that all things must be fulfilled which are written in the law of Moses and the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer 
to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And you are witnesses of these things. Now, folks, what it took for these disciples to become believers, that Christ arose, is what it's going to take every single person. And to summarize, you can take all of the proofs that there are that Jesus Christ arose. And when you've heard them all, it's all going to come down to one thing. You're going to need the word of God to prove that. And that's where your faith has to rest. In closing, would you go to Romans chapter 10? Romans chapter 10. If you were in a conversation with someone and you said, do you believe Jesus Christ died for your sins? Do you believe that he was God in human flesh? And especially I want to ask you, do you believe that he rose again three days after he died? And they said, I, I'm really not convinced of that, but I, 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 don't, I don't think it could ever be proven. You said, oh, yeah, I could prove it. And you stand there in their living room or their den or on a street corner someplace in a store, and you start going down this, all this list of proofs that Jesus rose again. I mean, we've already mentioned, what, six of them at least, just in the passage we've read. You just tell them about the empty tomb, the proof of the empty tomb, no body there. The disciples didn't take it. The soldiers sure didn't take it. But the empty tomb, that speaks. The message of the folded grave clothes and the napkin, that was about to say, we didn't read that. I skipped that passage in John. When Peter and John looked and saw, went in, they saw the, the, the grave clothes just like the body was still there, but they were gone. He was gone. They saw the napkin folded in, in a place by itself. Just do a little study of that. I mean, thieves don't leave things like that. And the disciples wouldn't have done that. No, that's resurrection proof. The message of the angels we read. The message of the Lord himself before and after he rose again. What the Old Testament scriptures had said, we didn't take time, but John, excuse me, Psalm 16, a powerful passage that both Peter and Paul quote when they preach in the book of Acts. The Holy One saw no corruption after he died. He's risen. Oh, the appearances of Jesus Christ to his followers. You, you tell your friend all about the many appearances of Christ. In fact, in chapter, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, to whom he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. How long? Forty days. Read 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 8. There's a listing there of so many times in people Jesus appeared to his friends. And then it says in one place, and, and he appeared to over 500 at one time, of whom most of them are still alive. You can go talk to them. You got the appearances of Christ. You tell them all about that. Tell them about the changed lives of the disciples. How their lives were totally changed. Just as an example, Peter. Denies the Lord three times after he says, I will die before I deny you. He denies the Lord three times. It's like, it's, it's over. No, no, he's a powerful preacher in the book of Acts. Could I ask you why? Because he knew Christ arose and he was forgiven. Tell your friend about that. Tell him about the existence of this thing called the church. Where did the church come from? A universal church, all believers in Christ. Local churches... What is this church thing all about? It's a group of believers who are in a given locality. 
who band themselves together to worship and serve the crucified and risen Christ. There's no church back in the Old Testament. It all began on the day of Pentecost. And why aren't we here on Saturday offering a lamb sacrifice? Why aren't we following these Old Testament laws? Why is Sunday now the first day of the week? Why is that the day of the worship of God's people? You see it in the book of Acts. You see it in 1 Corinthians 16. You see it in Revelation that the first day of the week is now the day of worship. What's that all about? It's about the day that Christ arose. It's just another proof of the resurrection. And by the way, most people don't think this, but that it's not Old Testament Sabbath. But it is New Testament, the law of Christ. And when a person realizes all that the resurrection of Christ means to us as he rose again on the first day of the week, that day does become a special day for Christians. Amen. Don't ever forget that. So many of God's people have their priorities so totally mixed up. Like Sunday's just another day. Sunday's not another day for a believer. It's the day of worship, the first day of the week, and it's all resurrection. You can tell them all those things. And then you can tell them, oh, yes, in the, in the New Testament now, there's just like verse after verse after verse after verse after verse, and they're all about, it's, it's either implied or definitely stated, Christ rose. But I'm telling you now, when you get finished with all your proofs, they will never be convinced until you take them to the word of God and show them this is what the Bible says. And God has planned that. Romans chapter 10. Paul has a burden for unsaved people. Look what he says in verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness... And going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. It's all about works for them. He says, but Christ, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that together that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to Christ, bring Christ down from what? He's already come down. Or don't ever say, who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. He's already been resurrected. But what saith it? The word of faith, that word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. What is this word of faith? That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with a heart man believeth unto righteousness. With a mouth confession made salvation. It's not about works anymore. It's not about the law. It's about faith in a crucified and risen Christ. Look at verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, finish it please, shall be saved. Oh, we got a problem. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him of whom they've not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher, a messenger? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, don't miss it. Say it together with me, please, out loud. Here we go. So then faith cometh by hearing 
and hearing by the word of God. Nobody is saved without faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? The gospel, Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again in the third day according to scriptures. That's how we're saved. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But faith always comes the same way. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. And you have people who kept getting the message. The grave, the tomb is empty. Christ arose. And they said, I don't think so. It can't be true. But when Jesus opened their eyes to the scriptures and pointed out the things about himself, it clicked. They remembered what he said. They remembered the scriptures and they believed. Question, do you believe Jesus Christ died again? And if so, on what do you base your belief? Just something you were told? Something you hope is true? But somebody could come along and say, oh, you don't have to believe that stuff. I just read the other day on Google that there's, uh, there's like 15 proofs that Jesus never rose again. You're going to go with what your friend says? You're going to go with Google? What are you going to do? You've got to take them to the word of God and show them from the scriptures. That's how they have to get the message. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, you have heard from the scriptures today how to be saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Who is he? God in human flesh, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died upon a cross for the sins of the world, was buried, but obviously, most definitely from the scriptures, he rose again on the third day. And now the Bible is so clear, it's so obvious, it's so easy. You want to be born again? You want to have your sins forgiven? You want to go to heaven when you die? You want to have the gift of eternal life? It only comes by believing the gospel, and we have preached the gospel this morning. I hope God has spoken to your heart. Would you bow your heads, please, if you will? Where will you spend eternity? If you die today, would you go to heaven? Nobody goes to heaven if Jesus did not die on a cross for our sins. Nobody. We said that last week, remember, when Bonnie and I sang 10,000 angels, he could have called 10,000 angels, and I said, we better be glad he didn't call and come off the cross because we'd all go to hell. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins, period. But we also said last week, a dead Jesus cannot save anybody. Only a living Savior can deliver us from our sin. Only a living Savior can give us everlasting life. Romans 4.25, speaking of Jesus Christ, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. We better thank God that Christ arose. Amen? Have you trusted him? Have you ever come to a time and a place in your life where you've said, you know what? I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm not right with God. I'm going to be judged one day. If there truly is a hell, that's where I'm going. I don't want to go there. You don't have to go there. And somebody showed you, yeah, you saw the bad news. Sin, death, judgment, and hell. But they showed you then the good news, the gospel, the Son of God dying for your sins, 
being buried and rising again. And then they told you, if you put your faith in him, if you trust in him as your only savior, he will forgive your sins and give you eternal. And you did that. Did you do that? Nobody looking, please. How many today could say, Pastor Carsey's? There's been a time in my life when I did see myself as a sinner and I, I repented of my sin and I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I trusted him as my personal savior. I know today by the Bible as my authority that I am a true believer in crucified, resurrected Christ, the son of God for my sins. He, he is all I'm trusting. My trust is in him. You say, I've done that. Real quickly, would you raise your hand, please? And would you put it right back down? Now, there's no way I could do it that quickly and see everybody. I didn't do it for me. I did it for you. Just that you might stop and think, is that me? Have I done that? Have I done that? How important that becomes. He that believeth on me hath everlasting life, Jesus said. Who doesn't believe in me doesn't have eternal life. And you can be saved today. Is there anybody here today who would say, Pastor Carsey's, I heard the message. I understand the Bible now about Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And I know that he is God and he can be my savior if I will trust him. And I want to do that today. Pastor Carsey's, God is speaking to my heart. I want to be saved. I want to be forgiven. I want to have eternal life. I want to go to heaven. And it would be a privilege to live for the one who died for my soul. Would you pray for me that I will be saved? No one looking, please. If that's you today, would you raise your hand high enough for me to see it and then put it back down? Anyone today say, Pastor Carsey's, I'm not a Christian. I am not a true believer according to the Bible. But I want to be. I need to be. Would you pray for me? Anyone? Anyone at all? Anyone? Would you stand with me, please? You know, that'd be a wonderful thing if everybody standing here today could walk out those doors and have assurance in their heart, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And we would all meet again one day in heaven. No one here lost. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? No unsaved people. That'd be a wonderful thing if everyone here today is truly believer. You say, well, I didn't raise my hand, but I was saved, but I didn't raise it because I wanted to be either. Well, listen. You can see me after the service. You can talk to my wife. Somebody will be glad to help you. But I want to say this. Christians, this is not that hard to tell people about this. This is the gospel we're supposed to give to others. Because it may be true that everybody here today is a true believer. You and I know there are hundreds and thousands of people right around us that have no clue about what I just preached. Is that true? That's true. So why don't we do what Jesus said this week? Go ye into all the world. We already read it. Remember Mark 16, 15? Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Let's do that this week. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Christ our Savior. Thank you that he rose again from the grave. That we might be forgiven. That we might, we might have the privilege of having eternal life. We can be with you in heaven forever and ever. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to be in a country, to be in a city, a town, someplace where we could actually hear the scriptures and believe. 
Oh, how we thank you for that. Knowing faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and you've given us your word. Thank you, Father. Dismiss us today, I pray, with your blessing upon us and may the rest of this day and especially the service tonight be that which honors you. May we honor you with our testimony as we seek to show and to tell others we believe in Christ who is alive. We pray in his name.